Chapter Fourteen of Historic Boyhoods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Historic Boyhoods by Rupert S. Holland. Chapter Fourteen. Napoleon Bonaparte, the boy of Brienne, seventeen sixty nine to eighteen twenty one. The playground of the French military school at Brienne was a great open space looking down upon the town. Here, on a January afternoon in 1783, a score of boys were hard at work building a snow fort. The winter had been very cold, and a great fall of snow at the first of the year had covered the playground several feet deep. After each storm, the boys in the military school fought battles back and forth over the open ground and up and down the roads that led to the village, but this battle was to be a memorable one a little corsican named bonaparte was in charge of the defending forces he was not very popular among his playmates he kept very much to himself and when he did mix with the others he had a habit of ordering them about most of the other boys were afraid of him time and again when he had been disturbed as he stood reading a book in a distant corner of the schoolroom or walking by himself in the playground he had turned fiercely upon his playmates and had scattered them before him with the passion of his face and words but when they wanted a leader the boys turned to bonaparte and now when they had decided to build a great fort they left the direction of it entirely to his care the corsican boy who was fourteen years old stood in the middle of the ground his hands clasped behind his back nodding now in one direction now in another as he ordered the boys where to bank the snow how high to build the ramparts and in what lines he was not very tall and his face was quite colorless under a broad brow his piercing gray eyes darted here and there and then were quiet in study he wore a blue military coat with red facings and bright buttons and a vest of blue faced with white and blue knee breeches and a military cocked hat from time to time he drew lines on the snow with a sharp pointed stick once or twice when he found a boy idling he spoke to him sharply but for the most part he kept strict silence after a time a young master dressed like a priest came out of the school door and walked over toward bonaparte he smiled as he saw the intense look on the boy's face and the rough plan sketched before him on the snow he came up to the boy and stood looking down at him well my young spartan said he what are you planning now some new way to save the town from siege the boy glanced up at his teacher and a little smile parted his thin lips no monsieur pichigrew i was considering how we might drive the french troops out of corsica from corsica exclaimed the master corsica belongs to france and you are a french cadet the boy shook his head solemnly corsica should be free he answered we are more italian than french i hate your barbarous words my tongue trips over them if i had my way no frenchman would be left in the island then it's well you don't have your way bonaparte said monsieur pichigrew laughing suddenly the boy's brow clouded and his eyes grew serious you think i shan't have my way then you don't know me no one knows me wait until i grow up then you shall see the master was used to this boy's strange fancies and now he simply shrugged his shoulders well well we'll wait and see but you must learn to curb your temper if you ever expect to do great things in the world why said the boy must a general curb his temper it's his part to give orders not take them and that sir is the part i mean to play again the master shrugged his shoulders and the same quizzical smile his face always wore when watching this boy lighted his eyes at least we are agreed on one thing bonaparte both of us know the most glorious profession in the world is that of the soldier ah that i might some day be a captain of artillery why not said the boy isn't all of europe one big camp can't any man rise who has the strength to draw a sword 
believe me monsieur pichegru if you really want to be a captain you shall be one the master glanced at the boy then looked quickly away you are a strange lad my little spartan said he i don't think i ever knew a boy quite like you the teacher moved away and the boy continued making his drawings with the pointed stick by the time the afternoon had ended the square fort of snow was finished it was by far the finest fortification the boys of brienne had ever built it had four bastions and a rampart three and one half feet long water was poured over the top and sides so that ice might form and it looked like a very difficult place to take when he considered it finished bonaparte ordered the boys to quit work and taking up a book he had thrown on the ground before him he started to stroll up and down by the farther wall of the parade he was fond of walking here book in hand studying some military treatise and though only a boy he had gained the power of shutting out all thoughts except those of his study some of the boys had put together a rough sort of sky rocket and now brought it out from the house to light it in the playground one boy touched a match to the fuse and the others leaped back out of reach there was a loud explosion and the firework failing to shoot off as was intended simply fizzled in a shower of sparks near the feet of the boy by the wall he glanced up looked at the flames and then at the circle of boys beyond in an instant he had seized his stick and was among them hitting the boys over their heads and calling them all the names he could think of beside himself in a sudden storm of passion because he had been disturbed they fled before his attack like leaves before a whirlwind in a few moments he had cleared the playground then he threw down his stick and picked up his book again a few minutes later monsieur pichegru who had been told of the explosion came over to him you must not lose your temper in that way my boy said he some day you will learn to regret it why said the corsican lad i was studying here i was reading how great hannibal crossed the alps and that pack of fools broke in upon me i will not be disturbed you'll teach them to hate you said the master trying to argue the boy out of his ill temper no i'll teach them to do as i want or let me alone when i wish it that's all i ask of them to be let alone the master shaking his head thought that the boy would soon have his way for day by day he grew more solitary and his playmates fear of him increased the teachers at the school and also some of the servants saw the fort on the playground that afternoon and the news of it spread through the town according to report it was very different from the snow forts the boys usually built much more ingenious and complicated and along military lines as a result the next morning many of the townspeople came to see the fortifications and examined them with great interest while the boys were indoors at study when they were free in the afternoon the battle began one party of the boys leading the attack from the streets of the town the other under bonaparte defending the bastions and rampart attack and defense were well handled the boys had already learned many military tactics and they thoroughly enjoyed this mimic warfare but the corsican lad was much too clever for his adversaries he was continually inventing new schemes to surprise his opponents now sending out a party of skirmishers to attack them in the rear or on the flanks again luring them into a direct assault upon the ramparts and then leading his soldiers up and over the ice walls to scatter the enemy down the street by sunset there was no doubt as to who was the victor the flag which was the prize of battle was formally awarded to the boys who had held the fort there was no doubt that young napoleon bonaparte knew how to lead others he had shown that ability to an amazing degree ever since he had first entered the school of brienne when he was only nine years old the boys at brienne were all being trained to be soldiers and they were all brought up in strict military discipline which would have been irksome to many a boy the young corsican however liked it and seemed to thrive on it some of the rules of the school were curious 
until they were twelve years old the boys had to keep their hair cut short after that they were allowed to wear a pigtail but could powder their hair only on sundays and saints days each boy had a separate room which was much like a cell containing a hard bed with only a rug for covering the boys had to stay in school for six years and they were never allowed to leave on any pretense whatever during the long vacation which lasted from september fifteenth to november second they had only one lesson a day and had plenty of time for outdoor sports everything possible was done to fire their ardor for military life they were encouraged to read the lives of great men especially plutarch's lives and those historical plays which deal with great french scenes history and geography were the chief studies and after those two mathematics in all of these branches bonaparte took great delight singularly enough the school although designed to train boys for warriors was entirely under the charge of an order of friars neither teachers nor boys could help but admit napoleon's great strength of character when the abbe in charge organized the school into companies of cadets the command of one company was given to this boy he ruled those under him with a rod of iron and finally the boys who were the commanders of the other companies decided to hold a court-martial bonaparte was brought before them and charged with being unworthy to command his schoolfellows because he disdained them and had no real regard for them arguments attacking him were made by various boys but when it came to napoleon's turn to defend himself he refused on the ground that whether he were commander or not made little difference to him the court-martial thereupon decided to degrade him from his rank and a formal sentence was read aloud to him he seemed very little concerned and took his place with the other privates without any show of ill-feeling for almost the first time the boys felt a sort of affection for him because he bore his humiliation so well unlike most boys he really seemed to care very little whether he was popular or not all he asked was a chance to learn the art of warfare he was happiest when he was left alone to study history plutarch's lives was his favorite book and his favorite nation among the ancient people was that of sparta because he admired the spartans stern sense of heroism and hoped to copy them that was the reason monsieur pichegru had given him the nickname of the spartan and the name stuck to him for years the corsican boy's first desire was to be a sailor he hoped he might be sent to the southern coast of france where he would be near his own beloved island home it so happened however that one of the french military instructors came to brienne after napoleon had been there about five years and immediately took an interest in the boy a little later he with four others was chosen to enter a famous military school in paris as what were known as gentlemen cadets the report that was sent to paris respecting bonaparte stated that he was domineering imperious and obstinate but in spite of these qualities he was chosen because of his great ability in mathematics and the art of warfare the military school of paris was one of the sites of the french capital famous visitors were always taken there and the cadets were intended to form the flower of the french army only a few of the boys who were at the schools in the provinces were chosen to come to paris and those who were chosen were put through a rigid course of study and a physical drill in preparation for service in the army most of the boys were sons of the nobility and were accustomed to bully their less distinguished comrades when bonaparte had been in paris a very short time he had his first fight with such a boy he was quite able to hold his own but all that first year he was continually set upon by the parisians who loved to taunt him with being a little corsican and to make ridiculous nicknames out of his two long names he lost something of his reserve he lost something of his reserve because he liked the military side of the paris school much better than the church atmosphere at brienne nothing made him so indignant as to hear his native land spoken of slurringly and there were many of his comrades who took a special delight in doing this the boys would draw caricatures of him standing with his hands behind his back in his favorite attitude his brows frowning and his eyes thoughtful and underneath would write bonaparte planning to rescue corsica from the hands of the french 
Whenever he had a chance, he spoke bitterly of the injustice of a great people oppressing such a tiny island as his. Finally, some of his words came to the ears of the general in charge of the school. He said at once for the boy and said to him, Sir, you are a scholar of the king. You must learn to remember this and to moderate your love of Corsica, which after all forms part of France. Bonaparte was wiser than to make any answer. He simply saluted and withdrew. But he paid no heed to the advice, and one day shortly afterward he again spoke to a priest of the unjust treatment of Corsica. The latter waited until the boy came to him at the confessional and then rebuked him on this subject. Bonaparte ran back through the church crying loud enough for all those present to hear him. I didn't come in here to talk about Corsica, and that priest has no right to lecture me on such a subject. The priest, as well as the others in charge, soon learned that it was useless to try to change this boy's views, or indeed to keep him from expressing them when he had a chance. They were learning, just as Monsieur Pichigru and the friars at Brienne had learned, that he would have his own way in spite of all opposition. When he was sixteen, Napoleon and his best friend, a boy named Desmaes, were ordered to join the regiment of La Fiere, which was then accorded in the south of France. Napoleon was glad of this change which brought him nearer to his island home, and he also felt that he would now learn something of actual warfare. The two boys were taken to the regiment in charge of an officer who stayed with them from the time they left Paris until the carriage set them down at the garrison town. The regiment of La Fiere was one of the best in the French army, and the boy immediately took a great liking to everything connected with it. He found the officers well-educated and anxious to help him. He declared the blue uniform with red facings to be the most beautiful uniform in the world. He had to work hard, still studying mathematics, chemistry, and the laws of fortification, mounting guard with the other subalterns, and looking after his own company of men. He seemed very young to be put in charge of grown soldiers, but his great ability had brought about this extraordinarily rapid promotion. He had a room in a boarding-house kept by an old maid, but took his meals at the Inn of the Three Pigeons. Now that he was an officer, he began to be more interested in making a good appearance before people. He took dancing lessons and suddenly blossomed out into much popularity among the garrison. Older people could not help but see his great strength of character, and time and again it was predicted that he would rise high in the army. He had not been long with his regiment when he was given leave of absence to visit his family in Corsica. His father had died, but his mother was living, with a number of children. All of them looked to Napoleon for help. When he reached his home, although he was only seventeen, he was hailed as a great man. Not only his own family, but all the neighbors and townspeople spoke of him with pride and expected that he would do a great deal for their island. He still had the same passion for that rocky land and spent hours wandering through the grottoes by the seashore or in the dense olive woods, or lying under a favorite oak tree reading history and dreaming of his future. The open life of the fields and the pleasures of the farm appealed strongly to him, but he knew that there was more active work for him to do in the world, and so, after a short stay, he went back to the mainland. It was not long before great events took place in France. The people arose against their king, and the first gusts of the French Revolution blew him from his throne. The young Napoleon was a great lover of liberty. He wished it for Corsica, and he wished it for the French people. It seemed at first as though the island might be able to win its independence owing to the disorder in France, and the Bonapartes sided with the conspirators who were working towards this end. But the young lieutenant attended strictly to his own business. He watched the rapid march of events from a distance, and when he went to Paris he was careful not to ally himself too closely with any particular party. Finally the Republic was proclaimed, and Napoleon saw that there would be an immediate chance for fighting. He had complained as a boy that the trouble with the officers was that they had not had a real taste of battle. He hoped to be able to learn his profession on the actual field. 
at a time like this when everyone doubted his neighbor and no one knew how long the present government would last one quality of the young lieutenant his steadfast sticking to duty made him conspicuous whoever might rule the country he stuck to his work of drilling the men under him and step by step he advanced until he became a lieutenant colonel finally his great chance came the city of Toulon on the mediterranean rebelled against the convention which had in turn become the governing power of france and surrendered itself to the english french troops were sent to the city and at the very beginning of the fighting the commander of the artillery was wounded by a ball in the shoulder napoleon was next in rank and took his place the siege lasted for days and the young commander was obliged to exercise all his ingenuity to hold his position before the english lines it was like a repetition of the old fight of the brienne schoolyard only now bonaparte led the attacking forces and he found this a more difficult task than to defend his own iced ramparts there was also trouble with some of the officers and one of them ordered napoleon to place his guns in a certain line of attack the corsican youth refused declaring that he would not serve under a man who was wanting in the simplest principles of warfare the commander was indignant but all his friends said to him you had better let that young man alone he knows more about this than you if his plan succeeds the glory will be all yours if he fails the blame will be his the officer took the advice and told young captain cannon as he called napoleon that he might have his own way but that he should answer for the success of his plan with his head very well said the youth i'm quite satisfied with that arrangement the siege lasted a long time and then it was finally decided to carry the town by a grand assault all possible forces were brought to the attack and at last Toulon was taken the young lieutenant colonel distinguished himself greatly in his first real battle his horse was shot under him and he was wounded with a bayonet thrust in the thigh but he kept his men in place and finally advancing they succeeded in covering both the town and the fleet in the sea when the fighting was over the general in command wrote to paris i have no words to describe the merit of bonaparte much science as much intelligence and too much bravery this is but a feeble sketch of this rare officer and it is for you ministers to consecrate him to the glory of the republic such was the young napoleon at twenty-three almost immediately he was made general of brigade and was looked upon as one of the coming defenders of the french republic he went to paris was loaded with honors and given post after post in the service of his country for a time he proved a great defender of his people for a time he served the republic as no other man could but when defense was no longer needed he could not sheathe his sword he had to use it for attack whether the cause were just or not as he won victory after victory and tasted power he discarded even the republic that had made him and placed himself upon the throne as emperor that same love of power which had made him was also his undoing he could not rest content with what he had as he had predicted to monsieur pichegru that afternoon at brienne he would have his own way and very much as he had treated his schoolfellows there he later grew to treat the nations of europe as a result they like his playfellows combined against him and sent him down finally among the privates End of chapter fourteen